Bitcoin is literally a mind virus. People need to understand the magnitude in which this thing works. <laughs> you know, once once you get caught, like once once you catch it, once you see the world from a Bitcoin perspective, you don't unsee it. That doesn't happen. And mm-hmm. Bitcoin just makes more and more sense too. So it's getting more viral. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. Fellow and future Bitcoiners, welcome back to Blue Collar Bitcoin. This week was both substantive and delightfully rambunctious as Josh and myself, Dan, were joined by general manager at Bitcoin Magazine, CK Snarks. In this hour, the three of us explore why none of us may be bullish enough on Bitcoin. Cooking at the firehouse, placing a giant set of testicles on the Bitcoin bowl in Miami next year, why Bitcoin is an unstoppable mind virus, and some provocative comments from Christians surrounding Bitcoin mining. Folks, here at Blue Collar Bitcoin, we're extremely selective and diligent about who we align with. We will not chill bullshit. We say no to a lot of sponsor opportunities. And we seek out teams and products with high integrity that fit us and you, our audience. We are pumped to announce two new partnerships. The first is, no surprise, Swan Bitcoin, the place we use and recommend for buying Bitcoin. Additionally, Start9 Labs, the creators of Embassy OS and a phenomenal option for the hardware and software necessary to run a full Bitcoin node, as well as take many further steps towards sovereign computing. We are both currently running Embassy OS, and we are impressed. Details about all of our partners and their products, including special deals, can be found down in the show notes. Ladies and gents, holiday season is upon us. Do yourself a favor. Stop running around like a mindless farm animal, wasting your time in department stores, jockeying for position in 45-minute long checkout lines, all for stupid consumer bullshit that none of your family even wants, but they'll pretend like they like for 15 minutes. This Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or whatever special holiday you celebrate, give the gift of the soundest money the world has ever seen. The only money you and your loved ones can fully possess. A gift your family will marvel at in the future. Load up a Christmas design sats card with Bitcoin and stuff them in stockings. Give a fellow Bitcoiner a gorgeous block clock digital display art piece they've always wanted. Gift yourself or a friend the best signing device or hardware wallet in existence in the form of a cold card Mark IV. Whatever your holiday needs may be, from family who've never stacked a sat in their life to those who make CK snarks look bearish, CoinKite has you covered like a jimmy hat. All CoinKite products can be found at coinkite.com and use promo code BCB to get a juicy discount. Alrighty, plebs, enjoy this rip with CK snarks. All views and language expressed by the hosts and guests in this podcast are solely their personal opinions and do not reflect their employers or organizations they are associated with. Do not treat any of the content in this podcast as investment advice or as an inducement to follow a particular strategy. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. CK, I got to tell you a quick story, man. So I picked up, I procured a new smoker yesterday. I bought it off. I bought a uh, Weber Smoky Mountain. And this morning I was like, I'm getting up at like four o'clock and I know you're into home cooking. So this is going to be right down your right up your alley. I get up at 430 this morning. I set this thing up. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just throw a whole shitload of coals in there. It is a cold 25 degree day here and windy as hell. So like I'm trying to balance getting the right amount of coals, getting this thing up to temperature. I cannot break 200 degrees. So the short story is, is that I have been smoking at this point like 14 hours on an eight pound uh, pork shoulder and it should be done probably in an hour or so. We'll see. Hopefully it works out for the show here. But man, it has really put me through some work to smoke some pulled pork for this evening. Yeah, man. Some serious work, man. Translation, we need to expedite. CK, we need to get this conversation over and done. Josh has smoked meat (laughs) waiting. I got smoked meat waiting for me, man. What what I heard, Josh, is you wishing that you got a Traeger instead of... (laughs) Oh, uh, dude, no way, Instead man. Of, you know, the, the back breaking. <laughs> no, dude, I cogn- I love smoker. So what you'll learn about me is I love doing stuff the hard way, man. And there's something about that charcoal shit. And I'll I'll bang my head off the wall a million times before I do before I go buy that Traeger because I love the charcoal flavor, man. It's the way to go. No, I mean, I, I feel it. I've, I've never had a Traeger, but sometimes it is enticing. to just be like, I'm going to put it there. It's going to yeah. be the perfect heat. It's going to just feed the pellets in perfectly. 
the fucking Traeger probably would have been done like three hours ago. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, exactly. I've already eaten. Yeah. But no, I, I know exactly what that feels like trying to, you know, you got to fan it. It's windy. Uh, my my sm- my smoker was purchased to me by Beefsake Josh, which is a whole nother story. But uh, I-, I feel pretty blessed. Some of the picks you throw up on Twitter are wildly impressive. Basically, what what you will find if you spend time in a firehouse is that we're essentially high maintenance housewives who dress up in hero costumes on occasion. We like to cook. We like to clean. We like to talk shit. We like to gossip like the cattiest blonde mom you've ever seen in your life. Um, Don't let the exterior fool you, but cooking huge, huge deal in the fire service. I would, I would say, Josh, when you get hired and you're a probationary firefighter, cooking is number one, the most intimidating part of your first year. There's a lot of intimidating factors, breaking into a new social environment, demonstrating high intensity skills in front of a lot of people that have done it for a long time. Nothing compares to plating your first dinner for the shift at headquarters in your battalion chief. It is, uh, my heart rate was through the fucking roof the first time I put dinner on the table, Josh. You fucked that up and it's over for you, man. You 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 make probation based on the food you cook. That is <laughs> that is honest truth, man. I, I wish I wish that wasn't the case. Uh, we're going to air out some dirty laundry. Like you could be a fairly shitty fireman. If you can play good <laughs> meals, you're probably going to make it. That's not an inaccurate. What is the origin of your cooking passion? CK, where, where does it come from? Walk us through how you got to where you're at today because it's it's impressive looking. Oh, thanks. Uh, no, man. Uh, I'm Cooking is like runs in my blood. It's like deep in my family. So uh, my dad is a chef. He uh, owned multiple restaurants, had a Moroccan restaurant mm. for over 30 years, did catering. So always grew up around that. Uh, and then, you know, aunts, grandmas, uncles, everyone cooked cooking home cooking was always like a big deal and uh yeah i mean personally as a bitcoiner um i'm very aligned with home cooking it's almost like verifying your own food and like you know bitcoiners are really into you know shaking your rancher's hand like that's a lot of verification but you know you don't have to do that to, to get a lot of benefits just making it yourself is is pretty damn good already you better be sawing that hog's head off yourself and you know, got them <laughs> yeah. and putting them on your own smoker because otherwise yeah. you don't know where that thing came from. I mean, definitely for the pigs, right? <laughs> There'll be people that start in our career that are like, "Oh, I don't, I don't like to cook." It's like if you can put together a Lego set for a ten-year-old, you can start yeah. figuring out how to cook and plate some meals. It's trial and error. I didn't do, I literally didn't do any cooking really at all before I decided to do this career. And then I did my paramedic ride time where I spent like 500 hours in the firehouse and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to figure this out really, really quickly. And so I came home. My wife was like, what just changed? I'm cooking every night, experimenting. So uh, how would you grade yourself now, Dan? Um, I would say I've worked at it. I would say at our place, I'm middle of the pack. I'm in no way impressive, but I'm Ooh. not bottom of the barrel. I would say Josh. He's calling himself short. No, dude, gonna, I think you're an, and I'd give you an eight out of 10 in your cooking skills, man. I've had some of your meals. They're good. I'm going to butter Josh's muffin here, which I rarely do. Josh <laughs> is a top tier cook at our, at our department. He is, if you were dude, to divide the department I'm into blushing. the top, you know, he'd be in the top, he'd be level 10 out of 10 if I was to, to divide guys into 10 <laughs> levels. Right. Wow. Nice. Yeah. He's got some skill. Do there. It's just I'm going to go on a quick aside here before we get off cooking. So Dan and I worked together a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was a month ago now. Dan knows exactly where I'm going with this. This guy we work with, I'm not going to name him because it would be pretty brutal to do it. He cooked the worst meal that I think I've had at the firehouse in like eight years. And I'm not exaggerating. It was, it was absolutely horrible. He bought some like it was like on sale pork, like just random choppings off of a pork off of some pig, just random fat assorted into a pack of like dollar dollar per pound meat he brought this shit back to the firehouse and when i saw it asked i was like what is that like did you murder like is this a jeffrey dahmer victim like what is this he (laughs) put this thing he put this thing in a slow cooker and poured root beer on it and let it run for like six hours which wasn't enough to even break it down so this thing was like quote unquote pulled pork that he Mm -hmm. slathered in about a gallon of barbecue sauce and then fed to us i mean if it was in a trough it would have been it would have made a trough blush. It was disgusting. Unfit for hogs. Yeah. It was unfit for hogs, no doubt. Yeah. 
Wow. All right, CK, we're going to shut up and get out of the way here. Um, you can keep going on cooking if you want, but I, we've been introing episodes this way with people because there's so much going on and you work in this space full time. Unload on us here to start with. Vomit into the microphone a little bit about where your headspace is at on this day. What, what, what's top of mind? And then we'll, we'll riff off of that. Uh, another day in a Bitcoin bear market. So I know y'all got in the space in 2017. Me too. So this is our second bear market. Feels pretty similar. There's mm-hmm. obviously like it's bigger, yeah. badder, louder than the last one. It does feel that way, doesn't it? Affected yeah. more institutions. Um, it really feels like Bitcoin got its tentacles into everything. Shitcoin got its tentacles into everything. So uh, just honestly, like, my macro view is that like there's going to be more clown show as Bitcoin continues to like become more obvious. It's like almost like the yin yang of clown world. And then the other side is Bitcoin. Um, So just expect bigger, better, louder shit craziness. Right. So like, I don't know, like it's, it's a bear market. It's a bear market for sure. (laughs) You got a, you got like a a fortune, a fortune cookie, like a a magic ape all over there. Can you tell us what do you think is going to blow up next? Like, you know, it's coming, like something's happening in the next week or two. Just throw one out there. What do you think? I don't, I'm not, I'm not, it's, it's a difficult business to be in. I mean, we already know that Genesis is in a lot of trouble right now. Uh, we could see more, you know, uh, they tie into a lot of people, it's kind of wild seeing that Coindesk broke the FTX story and then, you know, fast forward a month or so. And now uh, Digital Currency Group, which owns both Genesis and Coindesk, uh, it, one, Genesis is in trouble, but two, Digital Currency Group might sell Coindesk as like a consequence of all this fallout. So like it's been much bigger than even any, anyone could have imagined. You know, that reporter from Coindesk, you know, excellent reporting. And, you know, they 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 unveiled some very important information. You know, we have Dylan LeClaire at Bitcoin Magazine tweeting about BNB and Binance. Um, Who knows? Honestly, the FUD in this case is good because what the FUD and the fear around these exchanges solvency creates a scenario is that they all get stress tested. Yes. And that's what we want. Like yes. We want all of these to actually get runs on them and for them to prove, you know, one, you know, proof of reserves. Like, I guess that was a pretty big step forward with FTX. One, prove like, you know, market their their trustworthiness. But two, like we want them to actually get stress tested and make sure that the withdrawals never turn off. So, I mean, we have FTX or we have Sam Bankman Fried going on and saying, hey, FTX Japan is going to open up withdrawals. FTX USA is going to open up withdrawals. You know, <laughs> that's it's it's clowny, man. It's wild yeah. that we're, we're just watching this. Uh, but the stress is good. Like we we need like the whole point of this is to stress these these institutions and there's no bailout. You got the Bitcoin or you don't. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. I, I resonate with a ton of what you just expressed. And to some people that may sound malicious and mean-spirited, but it's not. It's back to the essence of what this whole thing is. And so, you know, I was trying to express this to a friend last week because sounding bullish in this environment sounds counterintuitive to a lot of people. It sounds kind of hopium-ish, right, and shallow. And it's, it's anything but that. The reason that hardcore ardent Bitcoiners are so freaking bullish and excited in these environments is because these environments expose credit for what credit is, right? When when you see promises imploding, you start to get an inclination for the, the power and the substance and the discovery behind the world's first digital bear asset. There's a lot of unknowns in this landscape, man. I have no fucking clue what's going to implode next. I'm virtually certain that the Bitcoin that's secured behind my private keys is going fucking nowhere. And that is the whole point here. And that is that is why the use case and the magnitude of the Bitcoin discovery shines brightest in these painful environments. But you have to have done a lot of studying and really understand the juxtaposition of a credit-based right. system versus a bare asset to get that. And so to just try to incept that in someone's mind isn't really possible. But man, if you know what's going on here and you have your Bitcoin under your own possession, it's an exciting time to be holding and stacking without a freaking doubt. Yeah, 
it's almost akin to being in a hurricane shelter in the middle of a hur like you're just you're sure that you're safe you're in a good solid environment there's a good solid concrete wall around you between you and the nasty weather outside and you're just hunkered down and ready uh to keep stacking those sats you know and you brought up the last bear market like dan and i and you we all dealt with the last one but I mean, it's kind of fading with time. Like you kind of forget the, you know, the feelings you felt during all that mm -hmm. shit. It sucked. Yeah. It was miserable watching yeah. it go from 20 grand down to three and then, you know, ride around for two years and go back up. I was hyped. Were you? I mean, I, was, I wasn't yeah, so much I was back then. I, 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 was, I was catching the knives too aggressively, but uh, <laughs> I was hyped. <laughs> I've been catching some knives, man. But what I was trying to get at is basically like for people out there that maybe this is your first bear market. Like, understand that, like, all this, sh you're probably not feeling too good right now. You're probably feeling like shit. You're probably thinking, I bought this thing at 60 grand. It's now worth 16 grand or 17 grand or whatever it is at the moment. It's a shitty feeling, and I get it. Like, but there was no way to know at 60 grand if it was going to 100 or if it was going back down to five. Like, there's no way to know. So, hole up, just sit in the shelter, keep dollar cost averaging, don't take yourself overexposure, and certainly don't leverage yourself, but just, be comforting and comforted in the fact that as long as you are the one holding your keys, mm -hmm. as Dan said, and you've got yourself a cold card or whatever hardware wallet you want to use, make sure you understand how to use it and just hunker down. You're going to be okay. Yeah. Keep it simple. But we're, we're hella, we're so early. We're so early. That's the most important thing that people need to understand. And we're so early that even the enthusiasts aren't bullish enough of a hyper Bitcoinization scenario. So like, that's the key here is like every, like all of us are still biased bearish because we're fiat minded. Like mm. we don't even know. It's like so early that it's, it's not obvious what the Bitcoin world will a hundred percent look like. Right. So it's like almost thinking about a Bitcoin world as like, just like this cosmic esoteric endeavor, you know, like that's how early we are. Um, I do like to make the point, and this is a kind of like a new point I've been making, but I think it's really important. One of Bitcoin's best features in this like uncertain fiat clown world that we live in is its asymmetric risk to reward profile. So what does that mean? That means you don't need to put that much in to have massive upside, but if it goes to zero, you didn't put that much in. Like that's yeah. pretty much what it means. Like that feature is awesome. Like that is one of the most awesome features about Bitcoin. And if you're all in or you buy too much that you can't afford it in the short run, you could be a forced seller for sure. But you also give up that feature because if you're all in, then your upside is enormous. Your downside is also everything. Mm. So um, you actually give up one of Bitcoin's best features, which is like strategically a bad decision because we live in a world of massive uncertainty and massive volatility, and that doesn't make you very uh, anti-fragile. So I think like, obviously you want to have the most Bitcoin on the other end of this craziness, but you need to put yourself in the best position possible. And if you're over leveraged, you lose the asymmetric risk to reward feature that is present within investing in Bitcoin today. Super important. That's, a, that's really good advice, man. Love it. Okay, so this is this is one thing we've explored, CK, on this show before, which is when you think through your risk profile, particularly this asset, the way you just sort of enumerated, a lot of it depends on your life situation. Okay, so let's paint two scenarios here. Somebody that is all in Bitcoin, massive exposure, will go 80% plus of their net worth is in this asset. That person is their situation is totally different if they are 72 years old and retired versus 32 years old with incredible job security and cash flow. Those are two very different scenarios. The former person that's retired, it is everything is on black in that scenario. And black's likely to hit, especially for us bullish Bitcoiners. But there's, there's far more risk there than for the person that has robust perpetual cash flow right? Or it, it owns their own business or something like that. So that's something I would encourage everybody to, to think through. When you just said what you said, it made me think of Pish. This is maybe a 2021 theme he was hammering home, which was a 1% allocation to this asset could change your freaking life. Especially when we're looking at, at the price right now, if you put 1% of your net worth in this thing, 
something even that small, it could freaking change your entire life as we fast forward a decade or two. I mean, I agree. I almost thought of uh, that you might have been describing Bitcoin Tina there on the on the older end of that spectrum. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I had him in the back of my head. Yeah, I, I love Bitcoin Tina. I know we do, too. We I do love too. Bitcoin Tina so much. We understand what he just did. Yeah. So, yeah, the thing is, is that like he understands, you know, in his in the period of time he's in in his life, like he needs to be more conservative than maybe guys our age. And that's totally understandable. And it's cool that he told everybody what he did. He could have just pretended he never did that and could have kept on saying what he says. He's too authentic. Exactly. He can't can't keep a lie up. You know, he's too authentic. He's too honest. I'm a huge Bitcoin Tina fan. Yeah, we are too. We enjoy your, we've enjoyed your conversations with him. And I agree. I respect that level of honesty because he knew when he shared, he knew the backlash he was going to get. Dan, we need to get him on the show, by the way. Yeah, we I don't do. know why we haven't had him on. We need to bring a Tina Tamer on, though. Maybe we bring on CK or Carla <laughs> Sare, because like, we're going to bring a Mustang in here, and neither one of us know how to handle him. The problem Dan and I have is we just have a very robust dislike of the word and name Tina for some reason, and uh, guys we work with will understand, but yeah, we just don't like that name whatsoever. Yeah. It's just unfortunate yeah. that he has used that name. Well, um, Hey, listen to Bitcoin Tina on Bitcoin. We got five, six, six parts, six parts now. So, uh, and I, I fully endorse getting uh, Joe on the show with Tina. I think that'd be awesome. I don't add that much. Like they're, they're even too big brain for me, but I may more, be more directionally correct on my bullishness. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll probably <laughs> take that one. Yeah, we'll bring a Tina Tamer on. Um, Tina Tamer. Okay, uh, comment and then a question for you, CK. So you said that in 2017, you were you were actually excited, which I think is a testament as we each trace our journeys of the fact that you were your understanding of this was probably beyond both of ours in 2017 or, or with 2018. If you were excited, I would say definitely it was. Yeah. And so it, that's where I think we're probably in the situation now in this bear market that you were in last bear market. Um what it what is different this time? So we we've said okay, it's same old rinse and repeat. If you had to pick, what's something different from this go round than 2018? What strikes you? I mean, Bitcoin's way better. Bitcoin's yeah, sure. in a much better situation this time around. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Bitcoin's like getting intertwined into energy production. Like I don't think we're that far off from every single energy producer that's worth their salt finding Bitcoin because why they get more money if they do it and their yeah. system works better. Even if they just dump it for fiat immediately, they have more fiat. It's just, mm-hmm. it will be a no brainer. And it's like, if you don't do it, you'll be like on a, a level, a step level, less competitive as a producer. So like we're, we're pretty much already there. Um, and we're in the early stages of it, but it doesn't take that long. You know, this, this is such a massive advantage for the people who do, who adopt it that it's going to get arbed out, if you will, especially if you take into account, um, if you take into account, like, all right, all these, like all these public miners are going to go like out of business. Like where are their technicians going to go? Like right. they're going to get that, spread man. around. Like I, they're I, getting I, I, I've still got too many mining stocks that I've just not looked at in months that I, I don't want to hear it. I'm just, I'm, I'm literally uh, putting my fingers in my ears and saying, la, 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 like, I'm not, yeah, not going to listen yeah. to it. They're getting real. They're getting. But hey, that's talent, though. That's talent that's going to get dispersed. So it hurts. It hurts. Like bit. Like I am honestly always in awe and shock of Bitcoin's uh, resilience, uh, the speed in which Bitcoin operates. Like Bitcoin is literally a mind virus, and it's also a hardware network. It's also a uh, it, like I don't know, I could I could get really crazy with it, but oh, like I think MindVirus is a good is a good example because it's like like people need to understand the magnitude in which this thing works, and like you know once once you get caught, like once once you catch it, like once you see the world from a Bitcoin perspective, like you don't unsee it. That doesn't happen, and mm-hmm. Bitcoin just makes more and more sense too. So it's getting more viral. Like the way I say it is like. Back in the day, you had to have enormous amount of um, you had to have enormous amount of priming. So uh, you know, my priming was personal finance, understanding of technology, understanding of open source development. Um, yeah, I would say those three things. 
Yep. Right? Libertarian bent. Okay. Those four things. Libertarian bent on top of that. Like 2017, I was primed to see Bitcoin. Yep. Um, but like the level of priming is going down because education is getting better. Uh, the world's getting more clowny. Yes. Um, yeah. And you get like, two dumb firemen talking about it all the time. Like we're, we're like, yeah, <laughs> we're trying to make this as low hanging fruit as possible for people, you know? Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, like we can't even identify the ways in which like best spread Bitcoin, but like Bitcoin is like operating in a way in which it, it gets it anyways. Right. Like I, I often challenge Bitcoiners to think like, how can shit coins be good for Bitcoin? Like I can think of 10 w- reasons why shit coins are good for Bitcoin. Like, like that's how viral Bitcoin is. Like, I yeah. don't like I don't actually think the shit coins are good, but like, I think it goes without a doubt that if you're a shit coiner, you probably know how to use a hardware wallet. I think it goes without a doubt that if you're a shit coiner, you're talking to Bitcoin maximalists and you're engaging with Bitcoin maximalist content. I think without a doubt, if you're a shit coiner, you know what Bitcoin is. You probably own some Bitcoin. Like, uh, I don't know. I like I don't. I could keep going. No, uh, I, I I totally hear what you're saying. Because I resonate with that. that that's well. just kind of like my, my my mental model for Bitcoin. It's just like it gets like no matter. It can get the the Bitcoin purist educational podcast, and it can get you know this perverse way of adoption as well like it doesn't care at the end of the day if bitcoin is as special as we're suggesting it is which i think it is it is by far the most interesting thing i've ever studied i think it's it's the it's the discovery in my lifetime that is going to have the biggest impact on our species if that thesis Mm -hmm. and that conviction plays out it's gonna win yeah 100 percent agree with that okay so this is my argument to Bitcoiners that are literally afraid of shitcoins. Now, I understand that they may slow down adoption, this or that, but if some- No, they pro- speed up adoption. There's if, no question they speed exactly, up adoption. Exactly. If some proprietary obscure shitcoin defeats what I'm suggesting is this momentous of a move forward for our species, then I was just fucking wrong, right? So if you if you chill out and let your your thesis play out, this thing is going to perform over time, right? It's going to be a rock surrounded by a bunch of sand- and people that were building on the sand are going to recognize the rock. And we're in the middle of yep. one of those storms right now, right? Yep. The tide's washing out and they're like, oh shit, that thing's still sitting right there. We're getting a lot of cur- converts right now. I know every person that's in this space, DMs coming in. You know, I, I was doing this, now I'm doing this. We're in that environment where it, it this thing is just proving itself because it's yep. built that way. Dude, the shit coins are washing out right now too. I saw that Coinbase just delisted XRP. They delisted Bitcoin Cash and they delisted uh, Ethereum Classic today. So, I mean, there's three shit coins we could just wipe right off the map. <laughs> and XRP, I mean, come on, you should have figured that out years ago. Um, but one thing I wanted to get back to about what you were just talking about, CK, was Bitcoin education in general. Like, I remember when Dan and I were talking about this in 2017, the best source for understanding Bitcoin was, and he still is, I mean, Andreas Antonopoulos, phenomenal. Like you listen, watch his YouTube videos from like 10 years ago. The guy got it instantly and he's really good at helping you understand it and going down that rabbit hole. But since then, there's been so many new entrants from in the last four or five years that have made the education so easy. I mean, like shout out to Looking Glass, Daz and Seb, like these guys are putting together some amazing content, like 80 page paper that they sent to us recently. I'm not sure if they made it. It's on the website. I don't think it's public yet, but it's fucking dynamite. It's it's really good, man. Like they walk you through like the basic understanding to all the technical details in a at a pretty decent scope where you can understand it as like a layperson without ever having read about this stuff before. Like this stuff is literally just being handed to people. It's super easy now to to go to get orange pilled within. I mean, I'd say like you could do it solidly in a day if you really were interested. But I mean, five years ago, it took some serious digging to find the stuff that totally. to find the real signal, you know, you have to ask the right questions. Right. That's yeah. for sure. Just think about what the what Bitcoin magazines putting out every single day. I mean, you can go on Twitter spaces almost any hour of the day, it feels like. And you've got somebody big in the space exploring something important. That might be a good transition into. Uh, I guess I want to start with how you got connected with the mag and and got to the point you're at right now and then maybe we can we can parlay into exploring what you folks are up to or what you're most excited about yeah no um it's been uh it's been fun just kind of riffing but 
I think the best way to explain how I started with Bitcoin Magazine uh, is kind of talk about my my Bitcoin story, how I got into Bitcoin. Uh, I was at uh, I was in Silicon Valley working sales at a tech job. It's like the third startup I've worked for. Third, yeah, second, third startup I've worked for. Um, kind of hating my life. It was like a surveillance marketing company. Just like I don't know, every single day was puke. Really, it was it was just terrible. Uh, and a friend of mine, she had been investing in Bitcoin. She just hit me up and was like, yo, like Bitcoin, you got to check it out. So uh, I was going to a wedding that was in Mount Shasta. It was like four and a half hours away from SF. And I, my, my then girlfriend, now wife, she was going to a different wedding um, and we were, you know, we were separated. So I was driving by myself to this wedding for four hours and I binge listened to the number one crypto blockchain podcast at the time, Laura Shin's Un- Unchained. And I listened to every single episode of that on like 2x speed, got home, and I was like, holy shit, this is going to be huge. And at the time, like I thought it was Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, like I couldn't, I, yeah. I didn't differentiate, but I, I immediately bought some Bitcoin, bought some Ethereum, bought Litecoin. Uh, that was like fall of 2020, or sorry, uh, 2017. So it was like fall 2017, right before the, the Bcash pump, but I actually missed the hard fork. So I never got my, my Bcash airdrop. That's how like not OG I am. But at one point, if you were holding on to Bitcoin in your own wallet, um, you got free Bcash and some Bitcoiners flipped that for like 40% of a Bitcoin. We were around at that time. I did. One of the scariest moments in my Bitcoin story is when I went to go get the Bcash out of the Bitcoin and I was on some shady ass website following some directions. (laughs) And I was like, this seems really shady, but I'm going to do it because it's a decent amount of money. I remember thinking like when I pushed like, yeah, when I pushed like split or whatever it was, I was like, I might have just lost all my Bitcoin. It might be gone because it was such a weird shady website that looked like it was going to steal my money. But yeah, go on. Well, I'm glad it survived, man. But yeah, it did, I mean, it did. a lot of people extracted their Bcash, sold it, made a lot of Bitcoin out of it. I, I was late. I'm not even that much of an OG, but very happy to like immediately have, you know, kind of gotten obsessed with the space. I couldn't pay attention at work. I had like two monitors. One of them was just a chart all the time. I was already planning on quitting. So I, like I, at that point, I didn't care. Um, and I was just like, on Twitter, on the charts, just kind of doing my thing. Um, And, you know, I'd been around enough startups that I've seen like pretty much shitty startups raise, you know, a few million dollars. And I was seeing at the time, it was just like so crazy, all these ICOs raising orders of magnitude more money. And I was like, these are just like shitty startups with tokens. Like, I don't get it. Like, there's nothing special about these shitty startups. If anything, they're shittier. Like, these are, like, less established. They don't even have products. Yep. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So so I started just looking up what is wrong with Bitcoin. Or, sorry, what is wrong with blockchain? What is wrong with crypto? And the only people, the only things that were jumping up were Tonevay's crypto scam and Ansel Lin or Bitcoin (laughs) Markets. Uh, like, and there's like nothing else. So talking about education, education has come in an enormous way. Like, like now, you know, you can go to your, your Barnes and Nobles and get, uh, you know, beautiful Bitcoin Maximus magazine. Look at that. Gorgeous. Um, so back then, you know, tone based crypto scam, like you could barely, like you had to be committed to listening to it because the audio was that bad. Like it was hard to listen to those episodes. But I wanted to know. I wanted to know what the fuck was wrong with Dash, you know? Uh, so within like two or three months of discovering Bitcoin and like really becoming like enthusiastic about it, I was like, for the most part, like a Bitcoin maximalist. Uh, and we are anticipating the the Bitcoin, the B2X airdrop. So I like needed to get my Bitcoin off of Coinbase, got onto a hardware wallet to get that airdrop. Airdrop never came because Jeff Garzik is an incompetent idiot. And I'm glad that that... <laughs> You know, Bitcoin is uh, Bitcoin is uh, immune to to you know idiots with clout um, because pretty much nothing else is immune to idiots with clout. Mm. Uh, I think like that's what we're seeing across the globe is like all these institutions have been completely taken over by idiots with clout, and yep. Bitcoin is immune to that, which is awesome. 
Um, so I never got my B2X, but I was a Bitcoin maximalist. Uh, fast forward uh, Christmas of 2017. Uh, two weeks before that, I had quit my. I had put in my two weeks. I was like, "See you later." I'm gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I have no job. I have no plan. But I need to explore this crypto thing. That turned out to be pretty much, you know, five or six days from the top. Uh, and you know, by the time I got home for Christmas, like Bitcoin was already 10k. Uh, my coworkers <laughs> were laughing at me. But honestly, like I didn't care. Actually, I gifted my brother some Bitcoin. And I was like, "Yeah, this was more expensive when I bought it for you, but you know, be worth more someday." He's he's like a doctor. He's kind of like skeptical, you know, laughing at me. But I didn't really care. Like I was already like, "This is the future." Like there's no there's no way that this doesn't become the way that we we measure and translate value. Uh, and I asked for a North American Bitcoin conference ticket, which is a conference in Miami. It's a notorious shitcoin conference, but it goes down in late January. Uh, and I went to Miami for, for that conference. And uh, lo and behold, the Bitcoin Magazine team had a booth there. And uh, the CRO at the time, he was just hanging out. And uh, I went over to him and I shook his hand and I was like, sales, San Francisco, Bitcoin. He gave me his card. He was like, give me a call back. And you know, within three or four weeks of that, I had a job, had a remote job. And I actually convinced them to let me go to Asia, which was my plan, was to go over to Asia after quitting my job. So I let them let me work remote from Asia for like three or four months. So it really Very was cool. just like an absolute dream come true. At the time, we weren't even Bitcoin only. We became Bitcoin only in 2019. And like, I remember when that was announced and I was like fist pumping, like, yes, yeah, this is like my, now my dream company. Yeah. How did that happen? How did that happen internally? Who made that decision? Walk us through that process, because I'm I'm sure that ruffled some some feathers somewhere. Yeah, no, I mean, a bunch of people left or got fired after you know that decision over time. But uh, you know, it, it seemed like all, all of the the like senior leadership then and now, you know, all like kind of hardcore believers in Bitcoin specifically. Um, and you know, they're all really early to Bitcoin 2013, right? So like the Bitcoin only ethos, like wasn't as obvious. It wasn't as defined. It wasn't known to be as needed. So like they got into everything as it was like coming out, you know, but then it became way more obvious that like Bitcoin's really the thing that we care about. And in 2018, we did an event called uh, distributed 2018 in San Francisco, I actually sold booths for that event. And like, you know, it was there's a combination of like Bitcoin, shitcoin, all all the whatever. Um, but during that show, uh, I was talking to Aaron Van Wordham, who's like a legend in Bitcoin. He was one of the original Maximus at our company, uh, documented, you know, Bitcoin history since, you know, the early days. Um, and I was like, man, like the Bitcoin magazine brand has so much value. Like, why are we wasting our time with distributed and stuff like Maybe even if we do distribute, like, let's just like make Bitcoin magazine just about Bitcoin. And he was like, yeah, I've been thinking about that, too. Like, I think it's really important. Like Bitcoin magazine, you know, should be about Bitcoin. And then Aaron subsequently goes and talks to David Bailey and is like, he kind of seeds the idea. He's like, dude, why are you wasting? Why are we like there's a market opportunity for Bitcoin? Like if we're this bullish on Bitcoin, how can there not be a market opportunity here? You know, we should just focus on Bitcoin and like that idea, I think completely took over David. Like David was like, yes. Like as soon as it's like something that you already believed that you just needed yeah. to hear, it was almost like that moment with David. Uh, so by early 2019, uh, we had made the announcement. We had divested de from everything that wasn't Bitcoin focused. And uh, a month and a half later, we started up the Bitcoin conference. Uh, and that was actually started up uh, partially by by Rod Bitkite of... of uh, of Bitcoin Park, he was he was working for Bitcoin Magazine as a CRO at the time, and he was like, "We need to do a Bitcoin only event. Like, there's this opportunity here." And he mm -hmm. and he started the Bitcoin conference, and I was working for him. Um, eventually, you know, he left. You know, did some other stuff in Bitcoin, and then eventually, and then started Bitcoin Park uh, in Nashville, which is a legendary like co working community space. Amazing, amazing building. Um, Nash Bitcoiners is held there. I, I'm going to go hang out there tomorrow, actually. But Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he helped us start the Bitcoin conference. And now we're going into Bitcoin 23. It's going to be huge. Bitcoin Miami. And it's just like in 2019 when I was fist bumping because we became we went Bitcoin only. Like I had no idea it was going to get this this big. I had no idea it was going to go this far. 
this quickly. And like this, I think Bitcoiners are inherently bearish on how fast this is going to go. But I would say like, just look at the Bitcoin conference. That's a physical yeah. instantiation of like how fast this is going. Bitcoin 2019, 2,000 people. Bitcoin 2020, that's supposed to be 4,000 people. But that gets canceled because of COVID. Bitcoin 2021, 12,000 people. Bitcoin 2022, 25,000 people. Like, okay, we're going to go into a bear market. Like, I don't know. People are saying this is too ba- too bullish, but like, I think I think we could break 20,000 again. Like, we're, yeah. we're on pace for that. Like, if you track our ticket sales to last year's, like, we're on pace for that. But everyone's saying, hey, it's going to be smaller because it's a bear market. So, like, even if it's smaller, like, you know, we're still playing in the 10K, you know, we're still playing in the five-figure event category we're like we're you know other like the this is like one of the biggest finance events in the world like that's how big bitcoin's really crazy and like that's we started at a thousand two hundred people in 19 like that's crazy so if it just keeps any resemblance of this momentum like you know we got the the bitcoin world fairs coming up soon in 2025 (laughs) you know i'll sell you a ticket to that (laughs) What do you got? You guys, you have anything you can reveal about what you guys have planned? Anything wild for uh, this Bitcoin conference in Miami? Dan and I are going to be there. So we're looking forward to, you know, dumpsters full of like Venezuelan cash or <laughs> helicopters tossing, you know, dollar bills out. What do you, what do you guys got going on? So we are completely re-envisioning how to do the experience and the content at this event. I would say like 2022, we kind of climaxed with this like, massive Bitcoin industry event. And it kind of looked like a combination of uh, Comic-Con and, and like CIS, something like that. Uh, it was like, it was like culture as well as tech and, and businesses. Um, and we want to sustain that kind of cultural festival business dynamic but we're rethinking how to do the content, how to intelligently marry those factors together and how to put on an event that really like leans into Bitcoin and Bitcoin enthusiasts and the people who are pushing this space forward all the time. So in terms of like what the, the venue experience is going to look like, it's going to be at the Miami Beach Convention Center again. Uh, it's going to be completely different than last year. We're rethinking the entire floor plan. I think it's going to, it's a lot more intelligently put together. This is our second year at that venue. So we know it a lot better. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that in terms of the, like the, the totems and the different like activations that are at the event, it's going to be really exciting. But what is most exciting is the community that comes together um, how we're able to engage and bring people together and get them to push Bitcoin forward. Um, and, you know, the, the big moments that get saved up for the conference, you know, we're getting all these press releases all the time. Like, I want to make this announcement. I want to make this announcement. And there's all these massive moments that kind of get saved for this industry event. And the just like the magnitude of Bitcoiners coming together in person and then, you know, all of this kind of industry energy you know, being broadcast into the world, it, it really is just absolutely electric. So um, I don't know if I answered that question. There's more like, <laughs> there's more uh, like details that are going to come out later on. Um, but, you know, for the time being, you know, it, it it's kind of, it's still in the early stages, you know. <laughs> the volcano is going to be a giant, just wasteland wintertime uh, festival. Yeah. You know, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, drop any, you know, <laughs> you know, slip with any of the secrets. But, um, you know, I'm hoping that the volcano is back. I'm hoping that we we optimize it. But um, at the same time, like every single year has had a different vibe. Uh, this is the first Bitcoin comp, like, you know, Bitcoin 2019. It was the bear market. We did had bear market pricing. It was a bear market event. Um, we're, we're thinking through what's the best way to like put this year's energy into a conference and make that physical. Mm-hmm. One thing, uh, an announcement we're going to be making at the conference next year, CK, is that we will be procuring, bringing, and affixing a massive ball sack on the bull. Um, this is a hill we will <laughs> die on, by the way. We're going to start it right now. What do we got? Five months to get the momentum going. I mean, yeah, roughly there. 
We want a huge set of nuts on that bowl out front. You heard it here first. Artists reach out to us. Uh, anybody that has the potential to design. We'd prefer Crypto Graffiti. If he could produce some kind of giant nuts yeah. for the bowl, that would be great. Yeah. Honestly, it's a great idea. I'm for it. I was, I was, I was never for the, the, the decapitating of the bull's nuts. And honestly, it was something that it was a detail that we were not aware of until yeah. it was uh, made public. It spelled trouble. That's the origin <laughs> of the bear market right there. Yep. You don't, you, you castrate your bull. You have the problem. Miami bull. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. We started the bear market guys. Did the bull have an asshole on it? Because if it had an asshole and no balls, like that's the whole problem right there. No, it, I think it was, I think it was completely, uh, nerfed if you will oh. <laughs> for this All nerfed right. fiat world. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to, our goal is to make it is to up, upgrade and update it to be completely realistic, uh, anatomy. Maybe 2x ball sack size, though, Josh, is what I'm Maybe. Thinking. I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, it's really one of those things you have to size up in person. You can't really just say 2x. It's got to be. Yeah. There's, a, gotta, yeah. there's some art to it, you know? Yeah. I think what you should do is, you know, get a 3D model of both your heads next to each other and then <laughs> turn that into the Yeah, nuts. that would be perfect. But <laughs> so we, one of them got to be slightly can- larger, hanging a little lower, and then max realistic, you know? Yeah, they're, they're, they're never exactly the same, you know. No, you're right. You're right. Always asymmetrical, just like Bitcoin. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to double back to, CK, that I totally agree with and I think is a really important recognition. While the price is cutting off, all the fundamentals are strengthening. What's being built on top of this protocol is remarkable. It's so it's happening so fast. It's impossible to keep track of day to day. Um like, well, like an example from from the last couple of weeks for me, I, I started fucking around with Nunchuck Wallet, using a Tap Signer and MK4, doing two of three multi sigs. I'm like, holy crap! If you compare the first time I set up a multi, and and I'm not saying these are totally, you know, the same option, but how difficult it was a couple of years ago to set up a multi sig, and now these options that are still quite robust, fairly secure, cold storage options. That the way that these these Everything is being built and you can see into the future of how easy this is going to be. The infrastructure is being built for people to possess their own money, to own their own money for the first time in human history to double back again. And it's happening so quickly. And every time I try something new, I'm like, oh my God, like this is crazy how quickly this is rolling out. To get to the question, what are you most excited about that's being innovated within or on top of Bitcoin? What's wetting your whistle right now? This might be an, an unsatisfying answer, but I, I want to go back to mining. Like, I'm just like, I'm such a, a fanboy of mining, and I'm such a fan of mining becoming part of energy infrastructure. I don't want to make an argument about what energy infrastructure is the best. I just, the ability for mining computers to be modular and to sap up electricity that is unsellable otherwise is such a massive fundamental game changer like it's such a game changer and i'm like i I like to be provocative it it might be more of a game changer than sound money like that's how much of a game changer it is that was provocative holy shit that was provocative (laughs) like that's how underrated how how big of a deal this is and i'm not trying to i'm not trying to underrate how important sound money is you know it's a beautiful thing bitcoin does both you know but um it's it's huge uh we we are living in a world with both financial literacy and energy literacy Mm. and bitcoin solving both simultaneously like it's all about resource allocation and it's all about efficiency it fixes inefficiencies in how we produce and manage and leverage and value energy and then we that that mechanism is shifted into you know the perfect money so there's a million different ways that you can explain how that works explain the magnitude of that Um, i love all the different philosophers in bitcoin but ultimately you know that's that's what Bitcoin's offering to the world is is the ability to fix the money, the ability to fix the energy, uh, the ability to give individuals uh, 
complete sovereignty. And it's uh, the it all starts with the energy. It all starts with the mining. And like that's like I'm so gleeful when I'm watching Ethereum do the merge. You know, for me, it's like <laughs> okay, well, that's just another cryptocurrency proving that it's it's un it's it's not susceptible or it is susceptible to stupid narratives to some idiot with clout, right? Yep. And you know, Ethereum gave up the only like I would say it's like the only thing it had going for it. Right. <laughs> like all this other stuff is noise. The only thing it had going for it was it was a dominant proof of work my uh, cryptocurrency. And like it had the potential to be used in the use case of like buyer of first and last resort for energy. And now, so, I mean, I don't even want to talk about some shitcoin, but I guess like, I'm just trying to talk about like how enormous mining is, right? The fact like it, this is going to electrify the entire world, you know, what percentage of the world is electrified today? And like, what is that going to mean for every person living in that scenario? Like Bitcoin brings so much human capital online by bringing the world online, by electrifying the world, by giving them access to the best money, the best store value asset that's ever existed. So now you go from like the most impoverished person on the planet to you have have access that not even the richest people in the fiat system have access to, and everyone gets that. Like that, that's what kind of stems from the seed of Bitcoin mining infusing into the energy industry and making the energy industry more efficient, more profitable, less susceptible to other other sorts of financing and other sorts of uh, incentives. Like it makes it just about the sats. And like freeing energy is that, like that is a huge, huge part of this revolution. Yeah, it, it really puts an exclamation mark on top of how much bullshit there is in ESG. Like if people actually took this serious and you know, social governments, right? Like this is something that is supposed to be helping people that are in the position of poverty, helping people that need help, right? And like all these companies, like they gave Sam Bankman Freed, like he got a better ESG rating than like ExxonMobil's CEO or whatever. It It's just so overt how full of shit all of this stuff is. Like <clears throat> if you think about this realistically, like what you're, you know, going on about just the energy, the giving people the ability to actually store their own money, giving people the ability to bootstrap themselves into a better life. Like if, if they were taking ESG serious and they actually rated these things on like a scale that actually was reality, Bitcoin would be one of the most ESG things that is in existence, but it's all about a narrative and it's all, you know, heavy handed bullshit and it's all marketing. So exactly. It's a, it's a marketing fugazi is all it is. CK, what I wanted to chime in with is that when we talk about the implications of Bitcoin, both on the sound money front and the electricity grid front, the two are totally symbiotic. And that's another thing that I I think uh, takes people a long time because a lot of people are sitting around going, well, what's it going to matter for electricity producers if Bitcoin's irrelevant? And it's like, the security of the network is the value proposition. The scarcity, the soundness of the money is completely dependent on the protocol being immutable and uncensorable. And that is dependent on proof of work. The, the two feed on each other is what I'm getting at, right? As Bitcoin becomes more valuable, it has these impacts on the electricity grid. It, provi- it provides this opportunity to electricity producers. And then they feed back into the sound money. It feeds on itself over time. And I agree, the uh, provocative to say that, very provocative statement, but I, the two are married together. I think the other thing a lot of people haven't recognized is, you know, you've used the word unsellable energy. Like the, the Bitcoin price can do a lot of bearish things, and this can still be a viable, profitable opportunity for energy producers that have excess energy that they literally can't monetize whatsoever. And the magnitude of people that have that opportunity that literally are just pissing money away, not engaging in this, that's the light bulb moment. How are they going to continue to say no to this when it's like, oh my God, that competitor and that competitor, and then the snowball starts rolling? It's so obvious that, I mean, the thing is, is like maybe I'm giving all these people too much credit, but 
Like I, I do think that people will arbitrage out profit opportunity. And we're about to see a lot of ASIC machines get liquidated again as these these public miners go defunct. And it's it's like almost beautiful to see like the the incentive process and like how it actually plays out. It's like all of these fiat miners, these public miners raised all this capital, pretty much financed the shipping of all this equipment to the United States. <laughs> in the West, then they go out of business because they're fiat companies and they messed up their accounting and they are over leveraged. And then they're, they're liquidating their miners to the most diehard savage operators in the Bitcoin space that's willing to buy it at a fraction of the cost. It's like, it's almost like the exact same process of like, you know, the newbies buying the top FOMO and then FOMO selling, <laughs> fear scaling. Yep. And then, and then just dumping right into the hardcore stackers. Like that happens in every element of Bitcoin. Uh, Dergigi put out a legendary tweet thread back in 2019. It was called Bitcoin is Circular. And, uh, and the whole point is to kind of like show this circular nature within Bitcoin. Like kind of how Dan, uh, Dan described it. And like that, that's actually the most beautiful thing about Bitcoin is that it's 100% self-referential. Mm. Like it doesn't need any other stuff. Like that's why it can br- provide this like foundation of uncensorable, or, like of uncensorableness. Like that's why Bitcoin's better than gold because it's synthetically perfect. You know, it's like this. It's like this purely digital thing that only refers to itself and and reality via the proof of work mechanism. Uh, and it it kind of creates this like bubble of. Like it's almost like a virtual ruler for for value that could have never existed before, um, and there's no way that gold or any other asset can compete with like its perfectness at operating its one thing because like now it's like this physical thing has to compete with a software program that precision does something, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, to just think through the magnitude of that change to the world, you know, you have to do a lot of research to appreciate it. Some of my favorite people who talk about it. Uh, Aaron Segal, Jason Lowry, uh, Tomer, uh, Jeff Booth, like these are people that your audience like love, but they, they, these guys, like they're trying to describe like such a monumental shift in how the world works. That is Bitcoin. Yep. And it's, it's hard to relate to like, uh, another great, uh, is, is, uh, Parker Lewis. Uh, mm. one of my favorite articles that he wrote is Bitcoin obsoletes all other monies. Yes. Outside of that talk, I recommend that talk or that that article. People should read that article. People should read all of Parker Lewis's stuff. But Parker Lewis has a great line, which is Bitcoin is first counterintuitive and then it's hyperintuitive. Um, So I think why that is so important is like when you're dealing with people, you have to understand like they're all fiat minded. So to them, Bitcoin is counterintuitive. It like it breaks all of their assumptions so they don't get it. And then once they've done the work to get it, like once Bitcoin becomes hyperintuitive for you, then you can't unsee it. Like that's that you've caught the mind virus. Now you live in the Bitcoin world. You live in the Bitcoin incentive scheme. And mm. like, and, and that's reality for you now. And it influences every single thing that you do. It, like you can't, you can't break out of that. Yep. Um, so so I think that's true, really man. important because you have to get to that point to see it. Right. Totally. You have to like, you, ha- you have to have that switch where you are now in the yep. Bitcoin overlay. Um, and part of that is de- actually dealing with the protocol. Part of that is learning about it. Um, and personally, I think that over time, you need to learn less and less to kind of switch over because it, it just bec- Bitcoin becomes more obvious over time. Like it really wasn't that obvious in 2010. I think yeah. it's more obvious now, but it's, it's still not that obvious. Like, you know, I give people a lot of credit. Even really smart people still, it's not obvious to them. It's one of those things where... I think in 2017, when you got this, you had like a entrepreneurial libertarian bent generally, or maybe you got into shit coins and went down that rabbit hole. But as time goes on, I think it becomes much more of like, because of all the education, that content, because of guys like Bitcoin Magazine and Swan out there putting all this stuff out there, it becomes much more like how much attention are you paying to the world? Less how much, you know, how, you know, what is your disposition as far as politics or your disposition as far as like being a libertarian and that type of thing or being a sound money advocate it's becoming less of that and it's becoming more simply like how much are you paying attention 
Yeah. And I think that will continue for the next couple cycles. Totally. M- most people will not have to go through this big intellectual journey to make this decision that Bitcoin's important. It'll just be important. <laughs> let's yep. let's compare it to the internet, right? You had people in the early, the advent of the internet, as that stack was being built out, they were like, holy shit, this is going to change the world. Most of us didn't go through that process. You were just forced to start using it because every single merchant and consumer started using it, right? And that's how people started communicating. It just became naturally ubiquitous over time. The same thing is going to happen to Bitcoin. And and w- <laughs> at the end of the day, it just needs to keep doing. I mean, yes, it's being innovated on. It's being built on. But the value proposition to go back to it is it sitting there and doing nothing, just continuing to tick away the way it always has. The, the crazy thing for a Bitcoiner in these bear markets is people are approaching you right and left. For a lot of people listening to the show, this is going to resonate. And they're saying at Thanksgiving last week, they're saying, you still into that Bitcoin thing? And you're sitting there going, I literally think it's the most important thing happening in the world right now, right? I mean- They still don't believe you, Dan. They just don't, like, they don't actually believe you because they're fiat-minded. They don't, they don't get that you can even have this kind of conviction. That, that's foreign to them. Right. I mean, we're all getting asked this question, and then we're sitting there, and, and I'm saying, yeah, I argue it's solving the most fundamental issue of the 21st century, right? Value transfer across time and space has been- broken as we've moved into the digital age. And this protocol has a chance to reinstate equity and profitability and prosperousness across the way, the, maybe the most fundamental language of our species. You're just a close-minded know-it-all, dude. I am. There's no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, be more open-minded. But ETH. <laughs> That's where you, you just can't, you can't jam this down anyone's throat. We're no. just so early, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I hear this stuff all the time still. <laughs> Seriously. The internet was like the Gutenberg press. It was like the machine that could produce the books, right? And it's like Bitcoin is the first book that's being created in mass. And the first one we're all being able and it's it's crazy, man. Like I think there's going to be a lot more world-changing things that are going to be produced as a byproduct of this and the internet in general, but I still think we are in very early innings for all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's no. a crazy time to be alive. 100%. And I know we're getting to time, so I'll leave you guys with this one. But so would all of, would all of us would agree that our current system is fraught with like malinvestment and misallocation of capital. And that's holding back humanity in an enormous way. Yeah, we've been looking at that. I mean, arguably in the in the traditional markets for the last 10 years has been just malinvestment compounding on itself. Because, uh, you know, the great financial crisis should have resolved itself in like a whole shitload of banks going bankrupt and everything kind of resorting itself. But mm-hmm. we didn't allow that to happen. So here we are. I mean, that's probably been happening since like the 40s, right? You <laughs> probably, know, since, yeah. since early days, you know, across the globe. And that, that's just, you're just even talking about like one, yeah, <laughs> one domestic bubble, right? But the reason I, I asked that is because for me, it's frustrating when I talk to Bitcoiners and I encounter their like general bearishness. And like, I think one of like the the pure tells of their general bearishness is like when they think of like how if Bitcoin works, how well it's going to work, how valuable is it going to be? Like, they don't account for like fundamental growth being baked into Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're living like one of the reasons we're so frustrated as Bitcoiners because like we see how bad fiat is. So I just don't get why Bitcoiners aren't baking in like some sort of fundamental bullishness to the overall pie, you know, the world from adopting Bitcoin in, in like their analysis. So I challenge your, the listeners to be like, you know, why aren't you baking in like the improvements of adopting sound money, the improvements of creating efficiency in the energy infrastructure and what yeah. that's going to do to our productivity? Because right. I, like, I think that is like the core reason why like Bitcoiners are miscalculating this thing. And it's super important to be, you can't be completely correct on calculating Bitcoin because none of us are Nikola Tesla level geniuses, but you know we can be directionally correct. And it's like actually existentially important for you and your sat count to be directionally, as directionally correct as possible. Because you need to make like directionally sound calculations in order to like kind of get through the craziness that we're about to kind of get go through. And if you don't understand that 
you know, Bitcoin's going to make infinity bigger. And hyper-Bitcoinization means a bigger infinity divided by 21 million. Hence, you know, your SATs will be more valuable than you can imagine. Then I, I think that you, you might be making some incorrect calculations when you're looking at how to navigate the Bitcoin market. And that's, that, that almost means everything. Like you need to get this as right as possible because right. like it, it means everything. So what you're saying, though, is like this is an abundance versus scarcity mindset is really a fundamentally what it is. And so if you've if you've started a business and like seen it grow, if you've done anything of that nature, being an entrepreneur, like you have to have an abundance mindset versus scarcity or it just will not work out because you're just fundamentally cutting yourself off at the knees by thinking you have to take from other people in order to grow like you can grow the entire pie. It really is totally. a fundamental mind shift of how you look at things. Yes. And ultimately, money is a tool of human cooperation. As that tool improves, cooperation is going to improve. That's the whole point here. Bitcoin is just a tool that's hopefully going to unlock our species to better communicate, to better interact, to better transact, right? So it's, it's about what Bitcoin's going to do. It's not about just being Ebenezer Scrooge and sitting on your pile as much as we talk about hodling. It's about <laughs> how, how Bitcoin is going to improve the cooperation of our species. And the more you understand Bitcoin and all its tentacles, which we've explored some here, you start to see, holy shit, it's not just about sound money, even though that's the core. It's, it, or it, maybe that, that that's, could be argued different ways, but let's say for, for me, it's the core. But then it branches off into all these different directions and that's when the mind virus ck really yeah. gets entrenched man can't unsee it man <laughs> we're not bullish yeah, man. enough josh we're not bullish enough no we're not all right boys i gotta go check on a pork shoulder and go pull her off the uh, smoker at this point so ck can you uh, give us a handoff to your uh, yourself and your and uh, bitcoin magazine yeah, no. So if you guys don't mind me, I'm going to show this hat. I'm going to show this beautiful <laughs> magazine. Um, Gorgeous. Like 180 pages. I don't know of just like awesome Bitcoin. That looks energy. like it came straight off of a Gutenberg press right there. You know, it's, uh, they, they make them a little bit fancier these days than, than Gutenberg, but uh, pretty much the same idea continues. But uh, go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com, get yourself some of this swag, get yourself a piece of Bitcoin history. We have a new issue coming out very soon, and I think all of your listeners are going to like it. It's very provocative. Uh, and uh, yeah, we try to capture history with all that merch. Of course, I got to show the Bitcoin conference. You know, come meet me, come meet Josh, come meet Dan uh, at the Bitcoin conference, Bitcoin 2023. Come meet the giant balls. Yeah, no, we we got it. We have to measure their heads, uh, you know, compared <laughs> to the balls in person at the event. We'll take photos. We'll, we'll make history together and be bullish together. So um, you got to have balls to be bullish, Is, isn't that right? Yeah, 100%. I see some memes forthcoming, Josh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, the firehouse shitter might have that handled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> CK, awesome dude. Not the last time you're going to be on here. We appreciate your time. Gentlemen, go make a wonderful meal for your family uh, and enjoyed every minute of this one, gents. Yeah, it was a good Thank time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all. Peace. Thanks so much for listening into the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, be sure to like or subscribe on whatever app you're using for podcasts or on YouTube. And if you have an extra minute, go ahead and leave us a review. We are also active on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC. And our email address is bluecollarbitcoinpodcast at gmail.com. We invite questions, comments, or inquiries of any kind. We look forward to you joining us again on the BCB Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.